You were I was live panicking. on Radio Scotland. You were pulling Phil K off. Pulling him off live on Radio Scotland. <laughs> it's the E4 Underbelly Podcast with Richard Melvin. Hello, everybody. Thanks a lot for downloading the E4 Udderbelly podcast. Um, we've just finished the show, and I'm still sat on the stage here. The audience are here, the lights are on, all the guests have gone. So, guys, what do you think? Did you like the show today? Yeah. Oh, well, we had uh, Hardeep Singh Kohli. What do you think of Hardeep? Yeah. yeah. All right. It was quite serious, wasn't he? Well, Henning Venn, bit of German comedy. What do you like? Do we like the German comedy, ladies and gentlemen? Good with the jokes, the Germans, precision, precision humour, and Craig Campbell. Now, what a guy, eh? Craig Campbell liked him. Give him a round of applause for Craig Campbell. And then we've got to keep listening right the way to the end for Chris Henry. How funny was Chris Henry? Brilliant, brilliant. And we started off the show with a, a performance from a very mean and very moody, gothic-looking fellow, Damien Crow. Hello. My name's Damien, uh, I'm a goth. <laughs> you might think this is an unusual concept, you know, a, a goth doing comedy, but that's only because you believe all the negative stereotypes that you've heard about my people, um, that we're miserable and unhappy all the time. And that's, that's just not true, you know? We, we like to have a good time. We like to have a laugh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we like to tell jokes from time to time. Yeah, what, what, what's your name? Lita. Oh, that's a silly name, isn't it? Um, how, many, how many goths does it take to change a light bulb, Lisa? None! Leave the lights off and leave me alone! <laughs> <laughs> we love a good joke, you know? It's just one of the many things people don't know about us. You know, our amazing sense of humour. Yeah, you probably don't know as well that the subculture of goths that started in the 1980s, and we were just instantly misunderstood, you know? Much like um, Maggie Thatcher. Um, or AIDS. We're, we're kind of like AIDS. Um, and we've been misrepresented in the media ever since, so it makes it really difficult, you know? Because people look at me and they think they understand me because they've seen Newt in Hollyoaks, and that, that's just not fair at all. And it just gives people the chance to think all the stereotypes. You're looking at me thinking, oh, he probably just hates his dad. I do hate my dad. He's a dick. Yeah. Last Christmas, I asked him for an Xbox 360. He got me a PlayStation 3 instead. What a knob! He's so selfish, you know? He doesn't understand me at all. Neither does my stepmom, Vanessa, big bitch. Neither of them get me. I thought my grand might understand me a little bit more because she's from an older generation. I thought she'd be a little bit less pretentious. But she just, she just doesn't understand the concept, you know? The last time I went round to visit my grand, she turned off all the lights. I had to say, my goth, grand, a goth, not bloody moth, Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's really difficult, you know? And they don't understand my sound that I'm trying to create. Yeah, because I'm somewhat of a revolutionary musician. Mm -hmm. I mean, I played at Tina Park and everything this year. Look, I left the band on, like one of the fucking idiots that leaves the bands on. But only to raise awareness for my own festival, because I thought Tina Park was pretty shit. I'm going to start my own one called Me in the Dark. Um, <laughs> but I'm working on a lineup just now, and I'm, I'm the only one that's going to be playing. Um, I'm not going to be playing the guitar, you know, the drums, or anything else that fits in with people's convenient stereotypes. I'm going to play the greatest instrument of all time. The accordion! The accordion. The accordion. Um, and obviously, when my dad first bought me this so I could play at family gatherings and stuff, I wanted to rebel. I thought, I don't want to play the, the accordion the way he wants me to play it, or the way society expects it to be played. I thought, how can I rebel with the accordion? Uh, I'll just play the black keys. Um, <laughs> but there's really not an awful lot you can do with just the black keys, so it doesn't sound very good. The only one I've got is like the knuckle song. 
not really evil enough, you know? It's not really the sound I was looking for. So my dad kept insisting that I take lessons. The worst thing about getting lessons is they try and teach you really childish, just pathetic songs that no one would ever want to play. So I had to find my way of turning them into a really unique, evil, kind of twisted versions of themselves. So they tried to teach me, Merrily We Roll Along, and I turned it into, UNMERRILY WE ROLL ALONG! By playing it in a minor key. This is how it goes. still pretty shit, you know. I know that, you know, I just, I didn't feel like I was progressing at a very good rate. And sometimes I would feel sorry for myself, you know, I would just get really down. Sometimes I would just console myself by putting it into bassoon and pretending I was a lonely ship in the night. <laughs> Come back! I'll never let go, Jack. <laughs> shit film. But I wasn't really getting any gigs based on the strength uh, of the music I was playing. So I thought, I can't wallow in my own self-pity. I have to step this up a gear. I thought, what can I do? I'll start my own band. Yeah, Damien Crow and the Black Knight of Black Dark Black Blackness. Um, but it's really hard to find the sheet music for the stuff I wanted to play. You know, goth metal and heavy metal and thrash metal and punk metal and metal metal. So in the end, the only way I could um, get gigs was by playing music that didn't really fit in with my image. But that's all I had, so... Deadly serious, I actually do weddings in Kayleys and, um, <laughs> and seances, if anyone's, anyone's interested. Um, but anyway, that's, that's all for me, so thanks for listening. I've been Damien. Goodbye. You can hear more of the goth story from Damien if you get along to his show, The World According to Damien Crow, at the Assembly Rooms at four o'clock today and tomorrow. <laughs> right. Ladies and gentlemen, my first guest who's going to sit down and come and join us for a chat is a broadcaster, a raconteur, a writer, a cook, a comic, and a friend of mine. Please welcome Hardeep Singh Kohli. Uh, Hardeep, you're not doing a show at the Fringe this year. You've just come up for uh, shits and giggles, really, haven't you? In a bit of work? Shits and giggles. I'm working with you, so no to both. Um, <laughs> how was it last week, sitting in on The Right Stuff on Channel 5? I saw you doing that. Yeah, yeah you seemed to do pretty well on that show. Thank you very much. I aim for pretty well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what was it like? No, you know, listen, it's always nice to... Um, so it's, I really like, I really enjoy that show. I think it's a massively underrated show. And I always looked down my nose at it for years until mm. I went on it as a guest and then realised... There's nowhere else on the television where you have close to two hours of current affairs with input from the public. Mm. And then when you go on the right stuff, you realise why well, you have no input from the fucking public. Um, <laughs> not cases. No. Um, but so that's very interesting. But it's nice to have that skill. Do you know what I mean? And it's um, there's so little television. In my um, opinion, I mean, I've worked in television for 25 years. There's so little left that's um, at all worthwhile. You know, because I kind of like you know, like yourself, I labour under a delusion that I may have a skill set, I may have a, an ability to do things, and you know, 
achieve. Um, and, you know, because I don't come from Essex um, and have no fundamental ability apart from that of being an utter no mark, a talent vacuum. It's not enough that I simply exist and have no ability, but anyone within a 50 yard radius that has ability will be destroyed, you know, because um, I'm not like that. I'm not that interested but, in working in television. But you talk about, you talk there about the input from the public. I mean, spending time with you, as we have done recently, quite, you know, working together, you get stopped in the street all the time, you know, people coming up, shaking your hands. I mean, do, how, do you, how do you find that? Well, I mean, you know, it, it, that's why I've stopped running the corner shop. Um, it's, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know we'll keep long hours, but fuck's sake, two o'clock on George Street, I'm not got any fucking semi-skimmed. Um, <laughs> I think a lot of people in my business forget that broadcasting, like this podcast is sort of rubbish if nobody listens. Mm. The radio and the telly and the live shows are rubbish if nobody's there. Uh, and so the people we need to respect the most are those that pay to come and see us. And that's a bit trickier on the BBC because it's a licence fee and people are compelled to pay. But I do think, um, I don't know how you feel about television, but I think if the executives in television gave um, something resembling a fuck about their audience mm. they'd be considerably better television mm. um, uh, you know that well, you that's go. you know I'm not going to change that you know and I think you know we talk about uh, a kind of monocultured world if you want to destroy BBC television if you're Al-Qaeda and you've decided to go and I'm not suggesting you ought to be do you know what I mean <laughs> Taliban have got a much better dress sense um, <laughs> Um, next week on Terrorist Chic um, <laughs> drop a bomb in Tuscany in August you'll pretty much decimate all the BBC channel controllers and senior execs I think that's interesting that all the people that run our television business holiday in the same place mm. shows how little uh, a wider impulse they have well while we're on the serious point I, uh, I am fucking it, serious yeah no but it's serious <laughs> No, but it was interesting because, you know, I, I run a production company, right? And one of the things is that we look to bring on interns and bring on people and sort of do training and development. And in when I first started, we looked to take people on for nothing, you know, on a voluntary basis to come on and get, which is what I did. I worked for nothing. Uh, and then somebody, it was an organisation called The Network, and they pointed out to me that that's how television and radio is run, by people who can afford yeah. to go and do free internships. So as a result of that, you get these white middle-class people whose, whose parents will subsidise them to do this, when actually that's not what yeah. the country is and that's well, not I what mean, the programmes that we make should reflect. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, some of my best friends are white and middle-class. Hello. You know, and you're great. I mean, I love the lack of colour in your clothing and your bland food. <coughs> you know? And your love of those, that, the Daily Mail thing you read, it's so quirky. Um, but I think what's interesting is that if you look at the business, for me it's 2012, uh, and I'm astonished that I live in a country where um, women are so genuinely overlooked. You know, mm. where we still, can you believe in 2012 we are still debating equal pay mm. for men and women? I'm embarrassed. I don't really know how to address that issue. Yeah. You do the same job as someone else, and because you have different genitalia, you're paid differently. Mm. I mean, obviously, in lap dancing, I understand <laughs> I'm never going to get the same. Yeah. As you got last night. Um, <laughs> if you think about how, um, you know, also until recently, the invisibility of women. And I've spoken to a lot of women over the age of um, 45, 50, generally just regular women who feel this invisibility, this kind of, almost kind of this Harry Potter-esque cloak of invisibility that falls upon them in society. They're overlooked. Similarly on television, where are the women? Over, you know, 
Paxman in his 60s can present Newsnight. Dimbleby in his 70s can present Question Time. Where are the, where are the women in their 70s on the telly? That's right, because you get fucking stupid at 46, don't you? <laughs> what the fuck's that about? Well, No, do you know what? You yeah, pay no. for the BBC. Yeah. So but, yeah. why don't you... Don't applaud, take that energy, and write a fucking email and complain. Where are the women? Don't you forget about the brown folk. Right, we only just arrived here. <laughs> a thousand years ago. All right. Women have been here since fucking at least the Ice Age. <laughs> well, listen, Hardeep, stick with us. We've got to move, but do stick with us. Like, right, let's uh, you, were th- you were thinking a bit more laughs, weren't you? you didn't yeah, think no, no, it's serious. fascinating. It's always fascinating oh, talking to you, Hardeep. It like is a pleasure. Thanks. Do you know how funny he is? Have you ever seen him do a full 10 minutes, uh, 20 minute stand up? Uh, uh, just, do, just do that one joke. You know which the one, one joke? About your daughter going to school and the accent. Uh, my wife comes from Liverpool, and um, we uh, live in the south side of Edinburgh now, which is a very nice part of town, to be honest with you. It's a nice part of town. So, as a, But she comes from Liverpool. So, because of that, she she thinks in a posh accent, but she still sounds like a fucking thief. <laughs> so in her head, she's trying to say, can you pass me the halloumi? But it just comes out of mouth as, yeah, chuck us that posh cheese. You know, and it's much worse for our kids because our kids are, are growing up with a real sort of mixture of accents, you know. So there's things that my daughter um, has learned from me. So is there anybody, any Peppa Pig fans in the house tonight? No, right, okay, well this one, if you are, it's uh, season two, episode 16, Peppa Pig's Sports Day, it's a classic, she's watching it, and she calls Daddy Pig a fucking bellend. <laughs> Which was a bit of a shock, but she did say it in perfect received pronunciation, so it was very hard to be cross, and then she's got things, obviously, she's learnt from her mum, like glass and bath and grass, and the other day she went, Daddy, can I get a pony? And I was like, dear, no dear, Scousers don't get ponies. Um, <laughs> And then she comes back from school, because she goes to school in the centre of Edinburgh, Sheen School, and it was her first day the other day, and she came back from school, and all of a sudden, it's right in the city centre of Edinburgh, and all of a sudden she comes back and she's into Gluen, and Pin-en, and Stecken, and Heroin. <laughs> anyway. Right. Thank you, Hardy. It's one of my favourite jokes Thank of all time. Much. Right, let's get some stand-up comedy here. From the German ambassador for comedy in this show, please welcome one of my absolute favourite stand-ups of all time. Please welcome Henning Venn. Woo! Let's get one thing uh, out of the way straight away. We Germans, we like a laugh. No, honestly, we really do. Just like you Brits, we really do. The only difference is we Germans laugh once the work is done. <laughs> uh, well, you laugh instead of doing any meaningful work. And yeah, that's the main cultural difference between Britain and Germany. Good night. Uh, yeah, it's good to be here in uh, Edinburgh at the, uh, the Comedy Trade Fair. And uh, oh, there's always a lot of work, isn't it? You have to write a new show every 12 months. And creatively, that's good because it gives you something to do. Uh, it's also a lot of pressure having to write a new show every year. And it's one subject, though, that'll always remain topical in the United Kingdom. World War II. <laughs> that'll always be funny. Uh, I remember 10 years ago when I came over. First day after work, I went home, switched on the telly, and there on the telly, there he was, black and white documentary about World War II. Uh, and, and, and because I wasn't used to that from back home, I was absolutely riveted. I said, oh, look at that, something about World War II. What are the chances? And <laughs> uh, now 10 years on, I know, well, <laughs> 100%. Uh, 
Uh, dear, oh dear, well, I was said enough teotonic early morning jolliness. Uh, otherwise, I always leave on a hile, innit? Uh, uh, two fat blokes go to the pub, says the first one, you're around, says the other one, so are you, you fat bastard. Uh. Let's give it up for Henning Van, ladies and gentlemen. You know, it's interesting what you're saying there because I've seen you over the years and you get better and better and better over the years. Do you think by forcing yourself into that discipline of writing a new show, you do just get funnier? Well, probably you get slightly more sophisticated, the shows. Hopefully they get creatively, hopefully better. And, uh, well, that just comes from experience. Just the, the longer you go, the, uh, uh, the better you ideally get until you reach the point from when on you'll get worse again. Uh, <laughs> So and at the moment, I'm hopefully I'm still in the stage where it's where it's uh, where I learned. Yeah. And did you come over uh, to Britain from Germany to do stand-up comedy originally? Was that your plan? No, I came over ten years ago to work in marketing, and then <laughs> I just wanted to ask yeah. about because you have naturally funny timing. I mean, your your comedy timing is impeccable. I think a lot of people would agree. But ten years ago, you weren't fluent in English. It, to the, how did you always have good timing in German as well? It's a good, structurally a different language. Precision das ist das, das ist eine Frosch. Yeah. What is that? That is a frog. That das ist das. Oh, ich kann nur ein bisschen Deutsch sprechen. Yeah, kannst du Deutsch sprechen, Hardy? It's like Inglorious Bastards, this, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> that accent. No, what I like, though, is your smug faces coming out with three words each and thinking you're fluent. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I didn't understand what Henning no, said Henning, with such a Henning, heavy I've, accent. I've got a question. I've got I'm a, question. a fucking immigrant, mate. Yeah, I've got a question, though. We were talking, Hardeep and I were talking about Scottish independence. Do, what, how do you think Scotland would fare as a, as a nation on its own? Well, be realistic. <laughs> I mean, look at yourself. Come on. I mean, look at yourself. I mean, what's the football club of the Scottish establishment, Glasgow Rangers? They're bust. And you couldn't even run your own football club. Eh? Well, it's Rangers' local rival Celtic, the footballing arm of the IRA. Eh? They are still in business. I mean, how much more proof of your incompetence do you really need? Henning Veins show is brought to you by Group 4 Security. <laughs> and Kevlar. Protective vests. So, bad idea. Well, I don't think in the end of the day, if you go independent or not, it will, nothing will really change for the local people because at the moment you get all your handouts from London, then you get them from Berlin. <laughs> I mean, effectively, nothing will change for you. It's a total waste. But what I like is now the independence referendum has now been postponed to 2014. Yeah. And that announcement was made one week after it became transparent that the Edinburgh tram wouldn't be running until 2014. <laughs> <laughs> like, OK, we'll stay in the union uh, for long enough for the union to pay for the tram, and then we'll have our independence. Uh, Interestingly, <laughs> isn't it a German company that have snicked all the money from the trams? Yeah, why fucking do you wonder they can bail out Greece. Why, you know I mean, right. sticking our fucking money. Why do you reckon they have to work abroad? I mean, no one at home would book them. Uh, <laughs> Just silly foreigners. <laughs> well, guys, guys, stay exactly where you are, Henning. Stick with us, stick with us. We've got another guest to bring on next. It is said that my next guest is a cross between Jesus, 
Billy Connolly and a man-sized lion. In my books, that makes him formidable. Please give an awesome welcome to the wild man of Canadian comedy, Craig Campbell, ladies and gentlemen. Hi, Craig. I thought you should get you in on this debate, Craig. At the mention of silly foreigners. (laughs) (laughs) But you've got Scottish heritage, have you not? I do, yeah. yeah. Craig Campbell, a name like that. Uh, Yeah, it's hard to avoid that, yeah. 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 Bet he doesn't eat McDonald's, though. (laughs) Um, no, no not, not for then. the reason you're thinking. Why don't you eat McDonald's? Because uh, it's not good for you. Ah. <laughs> ah. They noticed that when American bodies weren't decaying in the Vietnam War. Right. Yeah, yeah a lot of preservatives in their food. Huh? How come these guys aren't stinking in the hot sun? <clears throat> Stay off the McDonald's, kids. Okay. Is that libelous? I don't know. I think you find it's muck libelous, is what it is. <laughs> And you get a free shake. Do 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 do. I've loved in it. Uh, what a horrible image. <laughs> um, so yeah, tell yeah. us about the Lumberjacks. Uh, it's a uh, three-hander comedy show, stand-up with uh, with a special guest every night, and uh, it's a show that we brought to Edinburgh in 1998 and 1999. It's wow. the return of the Lumberjacks, and we started with uh, the uh, Lumberjacks on Ice, essentially. Right. In 1998, in a little broom closet in the back of the existing stand. Right now, I think we were packed out at about 20 people. Right. If you moved the mop. <laughs> And now we're in the uh, new assembly rooms on George Street, and it's uh, it's a pretty awesome thing to be a part of. Chandeliers in your room? Yeah, very. Yeah, and uh, we don't swing from them, but uh, they're there certainly. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, this is a question people have been talking about a lot this summer. But I mean, you. How much did we pay for the tree on the stage? <laughs> no, no. Um, no, I was wondering. Oh, how much did you pay for the tree? Uh, more than you'd imagine. Right. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, since you were here yeah. back then, what's changed here in Edinburgh? Oh, nothing, luckily. Nothing? No. No, well, not what I see. I, I, uh, I like Arthur's seat, and there's very little decay on that. Yeah. <laughs> the one thing I notice, and I do miss, there were about four of them when I first started coming to Edinburgh, and now I only know of one uh, late-night bakery windows. Ah, there's uh, one on Morrison Street. Okay, no, that's the one I know Is that of. The one that's you know? the one that's left. And yeah. Do you like I, a, thank fuck for that. Yeah, totally. <laughs> the tension yeah. of that conversation. <laughs> and do you like do you like a late night pastry? Well, I like that the, there's an availability of that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Americans, I don't mean to trumpet their society is a great thing, but like they'd have a hot dog stand or two kicking around. <laughs> if there were a thousand hungry people wandering the streets constantly at the same hour but Scottish people are like uh, fucking uh, go away you pricks (laughs) (laughs) equally we're not quite so good at waging legal wars in foreign countries so checks and balances no no but you're good at jumping in (laughs) (laughs) you're you're not one of those people living the myth that you're not involved are you (laughs) Canadians like that one too uh, that thing those Americans are up to. What, that your commanders are in charge of? Well, yeah, that thing, of course. Oh, well, yeah, they're a different country. Yeah, but we have the same military. Yeah, but we don't want to talk about that. Sorry, you were saying something? <laughs> but have you, have you moved over here to... Do you still live in Canada? Or no, I live you... in Devon. The Devon? Deep, deep, dark depths of wow, Devon. Wow, yeah. how's that? That's amazing. It's, uh, I call it Scotland of the South. It's phenomenal. But is Devon really that well advised to call itself the Scotland of the South? Well, well bear it's in mind... It's fascinating how these people come to our country for a month and beat the shit out of us. <laughs> and we applaud at the end. That's why we'll never truly have independent Scotland. <laughs> Uh, an actual um, geographical area has no capacity to think. 
As a star. Um, we don't have the time for me to explain how language works, but we'll, we'll accept your uh, premise for now. <laughs> Great. Well, listen, we, we're just about out of time. Craig, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks it's always for a pleasure me. to see you. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Ladies and gentlemen, Cheers, Craig Campbell. Got a local lad who's going to close the show for us today. He's been having a great festival playing down at the Laughing Horse. Please welcome to the stage, Chris Henry. Hello, hello, hello. Hi. Hi. Where are all the Scottish people here? Non-Scots. Yeah. Just while you're here, we don't actually like it when you ask us to say specific words. Okay. If one more person asks me to say burger, there's going to be a murder. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, I loved, I'm loving the fringe this year for all sorts of reasons, uh, but just before I got here, Scotland announced that it was going to be the first part of the UK to allow gay marriage. I think that's great, very progressive, and just to screw with the rest of the world, both men will be in skirts. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? Uh, are, you, are you having a good festival? I, I love it, because you see things here that you don't see anywhere else in the world, like Scottish women. Oh, I love it with the little short skirts and the big bruises. <laughs> oh, and the girls that wear the leggings with all the slits down the side. Some of you look amazing. Some of them look like the Hulk stopped growing halfway through. Old <laughs> oh, chips magic. Um, yeah, and I love how the more Scottish women drink, the sexier they think they are. Oh, I was doing, doing a gig uh, around the corner uh, a couple of days ago and these two girls tried to get in and you knew they were drunk because they were walking like they had corrective shoes on. <laughs> and the bouncer was as plate as he could be. He's like, not tonight, girls. Off you go. God, it's just me and my pal. <laughs> no, not tonight, girls. Off you go. God. No, please leave the queue. But it was the dignity that they held themselves with because they just straightened themselves up and went, well, fuck you then! <laughs> I saw them at four o'clock in the morning. They had the shoes over the shoulder going, I fucking hate shoes. I hate men. I hate you. Giza chip. So I don't know what it is about women at that time in the morning. You will take food from anyone, right? You don't care. You'll spend your whole night with your hand over your glass so no one puts anything in there. The second you walk outside, you'll take fish from a hobo. Right? If there's any guys in here that haven't pulled at the end of a night out, just stand outside with a bag of chips. It's like the Lynx effect. Ah! Hiya, handsome. Yeah, it's weird. Um, who's on Facebook? Give us a cheer. Check out my Facebook page. I, lo I love Facebook because if we didn't have Facebook, where would all you ladies put these photographs that you take? In toilets. Right. I don't know what happens over a weekend. I just know all my female friends have got photographs on there standing in bogs going, my God. I can smell pee. I feel so sexy. Take a picture. I'm just in a poo. I'll never be slimmer. Jeez. <laughs> Can you imagine a guy bringing out a camera in the middle of a toilet? The next thing he would see would be the inside of an ambulance. And once you ladies post photographs of yourself on there, all your female friends rally round to leave little nice comments. And I love that because it's like, oh my God, loving the hair. Where did you get that dress? Looking gorgeous, sexy. Every so often I'll find a photograph of myself and think, I look not bad in that. Put it on Facebook. Within one hour, one of my mates will have written, 
poof. <laughs> I have actually written one joke while I've been here. Right, and this is my favourite joke of the Fringe that I've written personally. You're going to love this. What is a comedian's favourite food? Falafel! Rubbish, isn't it? <laughs> but there's people in here, but like, right, I heard one joke at the fringe. What was it? Uh, and you'd tell it at work, and you'd be like, that guy really sold it, and everyone laughed. And then your mates are going to look at you going, that's shit. Uh, check out my Facebook page, check out Twitter. Um, my name's really easy to remember. It's Chris, like Chris. Uh, and Henry, like the Hoover. Yeah, because we both smile when we suck carpet. Just finish on a rude one. Enjoy. Uh, thank you very much. Bye-bye. Oh, brilliant. Chris, your show. Chris Henry there. Your show is called uh, We Need to Talk, and it's on at the Laughing Horse at the Free Sisters at 3.30. Yep. So get down and see Chris's show. Absolutely great show. Follow him. Yeah, he's going down the road. Right, that's pretty much us for today. Thank you very much for listening. Thanks to all my guests. We've had Damien Crow, Hardeep Singh Kohli, Henning Venn, Craig Campbell, and Chris Henry. We'll be back tomorrow with our very last show. And don't forget to subscribe to iTunes. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks very much. The E4 Underbelly podcast was a Dabster production in association with Screen High and The Underbelly.